finally happened. Trump on national TV admitted that he has a plans to be a dictator. Before playing the clip, just need to say every time I discuss the potential of a Trump dictatorship, the fact that that is his intention, every time there is some group of people who will react by saying, oh, you're being hyperbolic. That's a little too far. That's not actually Trump's intention. Well, before now, I feel like I've properly proved that indeed it is, but now Trump is saying it publicly, explicitly proving those people wrong. He did a town hall with Sean Hannity last night, and as we talked through yesterday, there's a lot of reporting about Trump's dictatorial plans for a second term, so Sean Hannity asks him about that. Kind of in a <laughs> tone of voice, isn't this crazy? People are saying this in the media. Go ahead and shut them up by promising you're not going to try to be a dictator. And take a look first at Trump dodging the question, which is concerning by itself. Then we'll skip forward to when Sean Handy asks a follow-up question and Trump's horrible response. They want to call you a dictator. You use the words, I am your retribution. And now before that, you said if you've been wronged and you used other words as well. But I want to be very, very clear on this. To be clear, do you in any way have any plans whatsoever, if reelected president, to abuse power, to break the law, to use the government to go after people? You mean like they're using right now? So in the history of our country, what's happened to us again has never happened before over nonsense, over nothing, made up charges. I often say Al Capone, he was one of the greatest of all time, if you like criminals. He was a mob boss, the likes of which Scarface, they call him. And he got indicted once. I got indicted four times. I wonder what my father and mother would say looking down. We had a lot. So there you can see he dodged it again, bad enough by itself. But then after a little while rambling the normal nonsense, it gets back to this question of from Sean Handy. Will you promise Trump, please do this for me? Because Handy, I'm sure, knows how horrible this all is. And so then he asked Trump again, promise that you won't abuse your power as president and you won't try to be a dictator. Here's what Trump had to say. We almost have to go to a break. I want to go back to this one issue, though, because the media has been focused on this and attacking you yeah. under no circumstances. You are promising America tonight you would never abuse power as retribution against anybody. Except for day one. Yeah. Except Look, what? He's going crazy. Except for day one. Meaning? I want to close the border and I want to drill, that's drill, not a, that's, drill. That's not, no, no. that's not retribution. I got I'm going to be, I'm going to be, you know, he keeps, we love this guy. He says, you're not going to be a dictator, are you? I said, no, 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 other than day one. We're closing the border. And we're drilling, drilling, drilling. After that, I'm not a dictator. So that, okay? that, that sounds to me like you're going back to the policies when you were president. <laughs> That's All right. exactly Take a break. Just getting started. We're in beautiful Davenport, Iowa. Donald Trump with us for the hour as Hannity continues. Thank you. Now, of course, they both play it off as a joke. And Trump starts talking about closing the border and drilling, which, of course, have nothing to do with being a dictator and him saying he wants to be it on day one. And the reason, I think, for the incoherence is he doesn't want to promise that he won't abuse his power because he's openly promising to do that. That's a part of his platform. He says, I'm going to indict my political opponents. 
And he can't promise that he won't break the law and centralize power and act in dictatorial ways because that's his plan. Now, why he wouldn't just lie and say it's not and then do it, since he obviously doesn't mind lying, I don't know. Maybe just because he knows his followers are kind of excited about some of this, some of the plans for a second term that are very authoritarian. Now, what you're going to see in right-wing media, so get ready for this, is a bunch of people either ignoring that moment or saying, it was a joke, come on. But when the context is, for the question, vast reporting and media conversations about the very real and dangerous authoritarian plans for second Trump term, and then initially Trump dodges the question, then says, yeah, I'm going to be a dictator, but just on day one, uh -huh. there's nothing funny about that. And then super important context as well for the question. Trump tried to block the peaceful transfer of power in 2020 and 2021. His lawyer said he intended on just unconstitutionally holding on to power after he lost. And he's now being prosecuted for his criminal conspiracy to stay in power. He's called for the termination of the Constitution. He plans on locking up his critics if he becomes president again, invoking the Insurrection Act to crush demonstrations, installing loyalists across the government to enact his every ambition. He's publicly saying the government should, quote, come down hard, end quote, on media outlets he doesn't like. And he's now publicly, not just refusing to say he won't abuse his power and try to be a dictator, but he's saying he would do so on day one. If you support Donald Trump, you don't believe in our democracy and in our constitution. It's really that simple. And I'm sick of anyone across the media, anyone in these political discussions, mincing words on that. We're talking about the survival of our democracy, a man laughing about abusing his power on day one and being a dictator on day one of his presidency. Oh, but Luke, you might ask, he wouldn't actually be able to do that. We have guardrails in place. Well, number one, why would we wanna see if he can? And number two, what if he can? Yes, our government has guardrails, but it also relies on some basic respect for the institutions and Trump is proudly broadcasting the fact that he has no respect for any of them. Here's a moment from CNN, by the way, responding to the town hall clip. You have any plans to abuse power, break the law, or go after people? And here's the thing, Van, we timed it. He didn't answer that question for five minutes. For five wow. minutes, he obfuscated, didn't give a yes or a no for five minutes. And when he finally did answer, the answer was, dictator on day one and that's exactly correct every single republican especially elected republicans who don't actually believe the lies about the election and are just doing this for their political gain when people look back at history at the decisions that you made they're going to be disgusted disgusted by the cowardice and your willingness to go along with someone who's proudly running on an anti-democratic platform I'll remind you that a Colorado judge found that Trump engaged in insurrection against the United States government. Last time he was president, as he's currently being prosecuted for, he tried to end our democratic process and install himself as the president. He failed last time, luckily, but he might not fail if he gets another shot. So if you are a Republican who knows better, but chooses to enable this behavior, you're going to disgust your kids and grandkids when they learn about what you did. Here's a Republican who's not afraid to speak out against Trump, former Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney calling out elected Republicans. I mean, I think the lesson that we've seen over the course of the last couple of years is that 
this group of elected Republicans can't be counted on to defend the Constitution. And, and I, that's a very sad thing for me to say. It's a very dangerous place for the country to be, but, but that's what we've seen based on the actions the last several years. And here's more from Liz Cheney. Um, that uh, whatever, whatever you do, whatever you think about, you know, the possibilities that Donald Trump might present, he's not an acceptable option. He's not an acceptable alternative. I, I hope that he is defeated in the primary. But if he's not, we have to defeat him in the general. And, and people need to take seriously and literally what he's saying, which is that he would, in fact, uh, unravel our democracy, potentially terminate the Constitution. Uh, it's, it's a risk we can't take. He said on True Social he wanted to terminate all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. That was his language because of his election lies. And now he's saying he would be dictator on day one. Let's just go ahead and believe him. Let's just hear what he's saying and take it seriously. And I talk about this crazy moment in American politics that we're in every day. So it is easy to become numb to it. But today I'm having one of those moments where I'm feeling everything. I'm feeling it all. I'm feeling the fact that millions of Americans truly want Trump more than they want a democracy. I'm feeling the fact that Countless elected Republicans are choosing political gain over our Constitution. I'm feeling the fact that right-wing media figures across right-wing media are choosing ratings over the truth. And even though those feelings, they can feel super discouraging and enraging, and a part of me does just want to scream about it, we have to recognize that we can't really control those factors. That's just unfortunately how it is right now. That's the state of American politics. But we can do something and that's vote, support good candidates and through those actions fight for our democracy. So that has to be the takeaway. Every time we talk about this subject and related subjects, the takeaway is vote, vote, vote and do what you can to support good candidates. Now part of the reason that sometimes people have a hard time comprehending that this really is as existential of a moment as it is, is because we can't really imagine it looking the way that we imagine an authoritarian takeover looking. Could that really happen here? Is kind of, I think, the natural response. But here is Bill Crystal on MSNBC explaining that very realistically, it wouldn't look like how we imagine it looking in our heads and it very realistically could happen. Bill, we just walked through how all of this is cohering uh, with Liz Cheney and others speaking out um, and a wider, serious threat um, that can't be underestimated or dismissed as something that only happens over there. Uh, your view tonight. No, that's right, Ari. That was really excellent. I mean, it's not only that it doesn't happen over there, it doesn't happen necessarily with huge drama, the Reichstag fire in 1933, Caesar crossing the Rubicon and making or allegedly making dramatic statements. It can happen step by step. You know, the Washington Post slogan that the beginning of the Trump years was what, democracy dies in darkness, but democracy also dies in dusk. And there are a lot, if he gets elected, and suddenly there are people in the Defense Department who are changing some of the military promotion systems. There are people in the Justice Department. The rules, the norms, some of these aren't laws, but they're rules or they're norms. The presidents all get involved in criminal prosecutions go away. There's an assistant attorney general who's happy to talk to the White House about who's being prosecuted and who's not. You can go on and on and on, but these things can happen incrementally and 
you know, it's a mistake to th think that necessarily there will be the military storming the White House and replacing civilian rule. And that's in a way what's so dangerous here, because Trump is a very effective demagogue who will use some of the uh, forms of democracy and go along with some of the institutions. There'll be some lawyer there at the Justice Department who will say, like John Eastman did during the coup, this is all fine. It's not going to look like a coup necessarily at first if, if we have a dramatic view of a coup but it can be just as dangerous. It coming in the form of a buffoon like Trump and it happening step by step doesn't mean it wouldn't be a dismantling of democracy. That's what we're facing. And those are the stakes of the 2024 election. A wannabe dictator, according to him, every time I say that, I, I see someone in my head <laughs> going, oh my gosh, Trump derangement syndrome. He's saying that now. Or... So that's, that's your one option, okay? I want to be dictator, according to him. Or a president who's overseen historic legislative victories, a stunning economic recovery post-pandemic, and respects and protects democracy. Pretty easy choice. Well, this is hilarious. Former House Speaker and current Congressman Kevin McCarthy announced he'll be retiring at the end of the month as a congressman, which is such proof that he's only in it for himself. There's no more power, I guess, for him to grab onto since he was ousted as speaker. So he's just giving up altogether because he could just not run for re-election, serve through the rest of his term, do the best work that he can for his constituents, and then retire or leave Congress. But no, I guess he's so <laughs> fed up. And like I said, there's nothing else for him. He can't go up the ladder and he's just a congressman. And so in his eyes, it's not worth it. He can't wait and he's throwing in the towel this month. Pretty wild. Now, I have some wonderful content to show you of people mocking him on his way out. We'll get to that in just a little bit, but first, here's this being reported on by CBS News. California Republican Congressman and former Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, says he is leaving Congress at the end of this year. In an opinion piece published by the Wall Street Journal today, McCarthy said he is leaving the House of Representatives to serve America in different ways. He wrote that it often seems that, quote, the more Washington does, the worse America gets. And he says he intends to focus his efforts on innovation rather than legislation. McCarthy, you'll recall, is the first Speaker of the House to be voted out of his position. Congressman Mike Johnson finally won the gavel after McCarthy was ousted back in October. Now, this happened after McCarthy cut a deal to keep the government open with the White House earlier this year. So there it is, leaving Congress in shame, making the Republican majority in the House even more narrow. Now, there are two elements of this that I think should be mocked. Number one, as I opened with, it should be called out that he's proving that he really has no interest in serving his constituents and can't just wait for one more year. He could try to end his career in Congress doing something good for his constituents, but nope, he's giving up. But the second is he's loudly and proudly in the past declared himself someone who never quits. I never give up. And now he is obviously very prominently quitting. And there are a lot of people who focused in on that, rightfully so. You have first Midas Touch on X captioning this video, awkward. I mean, your question is just give up and quit. I'm the wrong guy to ask that question to. I never quit. I'm not working for some member sitting in our conference. I'm working for this country and I'm never gonna give up on the American people. I'm gonna work every day. And you know what? If I come up short today, 
I'm gonna work harder tomorrow. That's what I do. And of course, a lot of these moments came from McCarthy's attempt to become speaker when he was saying, I'm not gonna give up, I'm gonna keep pursuing it. Vote after vote after vote. And so then you have Mice Touch again posting this next video with the caption, bye Kevin. Remember, I will never give up. I care too much about this country. 28 past the hour, breaking news out of Capitol Hill. Just in the last few minutes, Congressman Kevin McCarthy, who previously served as House Speaker, has just penned an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal saying that he is leaving the House of Representatives at the end of this year. Then you have Victor Xi on X saying, breaking Kevin McCarthy, the same person who said he will never give up, just announced he will be stepping down at the end of this month. This now means Republicans have an even smaller majority with only two more votes than Democrats. Oh joy, we won't miss you, Kevin. Then you have the Biden's wins X account that said, I'm sad to report a Biden loss. Kevin McCarthy will be leaving Congress next month. This is a loss because President Biden always won when Kevin McCarthy was negotiating across the table, which is true. I think Matt Gates worded it something like Biden repeatedly ate the lunch of Kevin McCarthy or stole the lunch money or something like that. Then you have former Republican Congressman Joe Walsh who said, I served in Congress with Kevin McCarthy. He has no core. He's a hollow man. <laughs> his only reason for being is the pursuit of power. His only guide is his personal ambition. And in the end, this was his undoing. Oh, it stings. Then finally, you have Adam Schiff posting a video caption. My dad asked me recently what I thought of Kevin McCarthy. In light of his retirement, I figured I'd share, and he attached this video. I, I spoke to my father, uh, you'll appreciate this, um, recently, and he asked me what I thought of Kevin McCarthy. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm allowed to use salty language here or not, but... Uh, uh, I, I, try to, I try to keep it clean with my dad, and I say, well, dad, honestly, I don't think that highly of him. I think he's a bad egg. And uh, my father says, well, then, as my grandmother used to say, f*** him. <laughs> and uh, I said, dad, I don't think that's what grandmother used to say. And he said, he said, no, but it was strongly implied. So there we go. And... Kevin McCarthy, bad speaker. He did do the right thing in that one moment to keep the government open. But then because of the MAGA wing of his party that he helped to enable, he was ousted. So he got eaten up by the very monster he helped to create. And that's a pretty yikes legacy, for lack of a better term. And I think, unfortunately for him, he'll be easily forgotten, which I know is a pretty brutal thing to say. But it's true, he's just gonna fade away into history. And if you do learn about him, it'll just kind of be like, ooh, a short and unfortunate stint as speaker. I do just want to show you a little bit of his announcement video that's pretty cringy. Take a look. But now, it is time to pursue my passion in a new arena. While I'll be departing the house at the end of this year, I will never ever give up fighting for this country that I love so much. To all those who have supported me through the years, especially our constituents, thank you from the bottom of my heart. We did our part. And when the stakes were the highest, we rose to the challenge. We were willing to risk it all, no matter the odds, no matter the personal cost. Hi, my soul is dead inside. 
I just spent my entire career trying to become speaker and it ended quickly and embarrassingly. Thank you for all your support. <laughs> Yikes. Now, speaking of embarrassments that are saying goodbye to Congress this December, George Santos, who was recently expelled from Congress. Oh, you don't know who George Santos is? Well, let me fill you in. Um, he's this guy who got elected to Congress by lying about virtually every aspect of who he was, his education, his career background, his family lineage, friends dying in tragedies, they didn't die in family dying in tragedies, they didn't die in family surviving tragedies they weren't even at, and raising money for a veteran sick dog, then taking the money and letting the dog die. That George Santos. So as I'm sure you know, he got caught in all of those lies and in defrauding his voters and, you know, doing the normal thing of using campaign funds for things like Botox and OnlyFans, which you're not allowed to do, and charging people's credit cards for donations they didn't approve, so just stealing money from people, and was recently expelled from Congress for those things and more. Well, do you want proof that there's just no justice in this world? <laughs> There is, but in this case, there's not. Here's some reporting from Business Insider. George Santos, the former congressman who was expelled last week when 311 lawmakers voted to kick him out of the House of Representatives, has found a new career of sorts. It's been like three days, guys. Santos was on a $174,000 salary in Congress, but during his short time on Cameo, the platform on which celebrities get paid to provide fans with personalized videos, the disgraced lawmaker has potentially made considerably more, according to Semaphore. The publication said Santos has lined up more, <laughs> this is brutal, in earnings in the space of 48 hours on Cameo than his entire annual salary as a congressman. According to Semaphore, which cited screenshots and then it gives the background there, the ex-congressman may have earned a six-figure sum in just two days. So he's making bank recording videos for people on Cameo. And potentially, according to this reporting, has already made more doing that than he made being a congressman for the entire time he was a congressman. And I know what you're thinking. What types of videos are we talking about on Cameo? Well, here's an example I call Kevin McCarthy's video cringy. This is a whole nother level. Hi, Katie. Um, thank you for the love. Thank you for the kindness. You know, Botox keeps you young. Fillers keeps you plump. <laughs> Look, don't let the haters get to you. Haters are going to hate. And if you have haters, that means you're doing something right, girl. So just keep going. You know, you're a Harvard Law School girl. Like, are you kidding? You're, you have haters? Let them hate. Like, just do you, girl. Screw the haters. Enjoy life. Live life. And make sure that all these haters in your life, they can go all you know where. <laughs> I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year. And let 2024 be filled with everything that 2023 was lacking in. Mwah. Bye. So I said when we covered that clip on the bonus show that when he says having haters means you're doing something right. Mm, not always. Not always. In the case of George, not so much. Sometimes, and this is a wise lesson, a very encouraging lesson you're about to get from me, okay? You're just giving people something to hate. 
I have a couple of moments here that I want to show you of Democrats giving Tommy Tuberville a piece of their mind, rightfully so. And I'll note that they're all in the same room. So it's a little awkward. They're saying this stuff right to Tommy Tuberville's face. Before getting into that, let me break down the context for you. So before just recently, when he finally released his hold, Tommy Tuberville had been holding up over 400 military promotions, meaning people weren't able to assume roles that they should be in. And he was doing this as a protest of the Department of Defense's policy on abortion, making sure that service members in certain states with strict abortion laws aren't punished for being in that state compared to their blue state counterparts when seeking an abortion. Everyone in the military obviously should have access to the same health care and that necessitates in this current situation giving time off and covering travel expenses for those individuals to add some context to this i'll read a quote from brigadier general pat Ryder, who is a pentagon spokesperson who said the practical effect and this is talking about after the overturning of roe v wade of the recent changes is that service members may be forced to travel greater distances take more time off work and pay more out-of-pocket expenses to access reproductive health care all of which have readiness recruiting and uh retention implications for america's armed forces so because of tommy tuberville's personal view on abortion and i guess his ambition likely to get attention among the right-wing base and get on fox news he took a pretty unprecedented action and refused to approve all these promotions which usually the senate is able to do really seamlessly and does it on a unanimous vote and that's required that's why he was able to hold up these promotions and he said he was going to do this until the department of defense changed their policy on the issue which we've looked at in the past a clip of even lindsey graham saying if every senator held up the process of confirming military nominees every time they had a policy difference with the doj that would be mayhem and it would hurt our military time and time again with that being said last night the senate was able to unanimously confirm hundreds of nominees because he released his hold except for on four-star generals for some reason so after 10 months of tuberville hurting our military readiness and achieving absolutely nothing here was democratic senator elizabeth warren's final thoughts on all of that mr president i yield floor senator from massachusetts mr president i've stood here as i've listened to senator tuberville say that the world is a more dangerous place he's spoken about how we have weakened our military senator tuberville is right on that and one of the principal reasons is because of Senator Tuberville's own actions. He has held up hundreds of military nominations, hundreds of our military leaders who have not made it to the posts they were assigned to. It is clear that it was a grave mistake for one senator to hold our military promotion system hostage over his personal disagreement with the Department of Defense policy. We need our commanders in the Pacific to deter China and our service vice chiefs to lead the military. I am relieved that he has released most of his holds, 
but he continues to weaken our military readiness and undermine both recruiting and retention. The Senate should not go home for the holidays until we confirm the remaining nominees. This senator has held up nominations for nearly a year. It undermines our national defense, and it is unfair to our military and to our military families. And well said there by Elizabeth Warren. And she noted this, as I previously did, he's still holding four star generals up and wants individual votes on those. So we'll see how that progresses. Still more work to be done. And before getting to another Democratic senator's remarks, it also has to be pointed out that this is yet another example of these Republican, quote unquote, principles just falling apart. How long have we watched the Republican Party try to brand itself as the only truly pro-military and pro-the-troops party? But then the second a Republican senator has an issue with a DOD policy, he's willing to severely damage our military as he throws a temper tantrum. And then he goes around in all these different interviews and is disparaging the military, saying it's become too weak and woke and all this different stuff. We've looked at those clips in the past. It's just ridiculous and a contradiction of the very principles people like him purport to stand for. With that being said, here is what Amy Klobuchar had to say to the face of Tommy Tuberville. Let me just end this moment by quoting him from the hallways yesterday from a reporter. He was asked about this and he said, I'd have loved to have five downs in football instead of four. But you can't do it. It's got to be fair for everybody. Asked if he has regrets. It was pretty much a draw. I mean, they didn't get what they wanted. Really? The only, who is the they? I guess the they is the military members, the service members who serve our country. And my last message on this front is that this is not a game, Senator Tuberville. This is not a game. This is not a football game. These are real people's lives and the security of our country. And I'm pleased that we've gotten through these 425 nominees, but there are clearly more to go. Also good stuff there from Amy Klobuchar. She's correct in saying it's not a game, not just because our military readiness is being hindered, but also because the lives of these military members are being harmed. They are in a state of limbo. Some people working multiple positions because their deputies can't be confirmed. A disaster. And she referenced a quote from Tommy Tuberville. Here's the moment that she was referring to. That you didn't achieve exactly what you set out to do, that the policy is still in place. Yeah, I'm, yeah I, it was pretty much a draw. I mean, they didn't get what they wanted. We didn't get what we wanted. And, you know, they just, when, they, when they change the rules, it's hard to, it's hard to win. And so they changed the NDA rules. We didn't get to fight for it to leave it in the Senate. And so just unfortunate the American people didn't get a voice. Do you mind just stating what you said off camera real quick? Just what's going to happen? What just happened? Yeah, just like a Well, we're camera. going to, I'm releasing everybody. I still got a hold on, I think, 11 four-star generals. Everybody else is completely released from me. Now, somebody else might, I think some, there's a few other people got holds on one or two or three people. But other than that, it's over. Thank, All right, you. thank you. It's over. And for what? He says they didn't get what they wanted and we didn't get what we wanted. What is it that Democrats or everyone other than Tuberville wanted other than 
to do the best thing for these military members and for our national security. All around a very aggravating individual, Tommy Tuberville. And I think what changed his mind is number one, seeing that the DOD was not going to budge. And number two, watching even members, I mentioned Lindsey Graham earlier, members of his own party getting super upset with him. I did a past segment on multiple Republican senators going on tirades against Tommy Tuberville over his hold. So maybe that moved the needle as well. And I do want to show you another clip, one that I've played in the past, but it's just really good. John Kirby, the coordinator for strategic communications at the National Security Council, got asked the question a while back during this hold of why doesn't the DOD budge? Why doesn't the DOD just change the policy to start moving these confirmations through? And John Kirby perfectly responded. With his holds on military promotions because of social policy and saying that he is harming military readiness. On the flip side of that impasse, and this is something that Republican lawmakers have raised, why is the new DOD policy on abortion critical to military readiness? I'm really glad you asked that question. No, I mean, I really am. One in five members of the U.S. military are women, 20%. We're an all-volunteer force. Nobody's forcing you to sign up and go. People volunteer to go. You raise your right hand and you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for a few years or even for my life. And it might cost me my life to do it. And when you sign up and you make that contract, you have every right to expect that the organization, in this case the military, is going to take care of you and they're going to take care of your families. And they're going to make sure that you can serve with dignity and respect no matter who you are or who you love uh, or, uh, or how you worship or don't. And, um, and our policies, whether they're diversity, inclusion, and equity, or whether they're about transgender individuals who qualify physically and mentally to serve to be able to do it with dignity, or whether it's about female service members, one in five, or female family members being able to count on the kinds of health care and reproductive care specifically that they need to serve. Uh, that is a foundational, sacred obligation of military leaders across the river. Uh, I've seen it myself, and it matters because it says we're invested in you because you are being willing to invest in us. You're investing your life, your family's livelihood with us, we owe you that back in return. I had a chance a couple of weeks ago to meet with some military spouses here at the White House. Um, some were active duty members, some were spouses, all were women. And 201, they told me, uh, that abortion laws in this country that are now being passed are absolutely having an effect on their willingness to continue serving in uniform or to encourage or discourage, in this case, their spouses from continuing service. So if you don't think there's going to be a retention and a morale issue, think again, because it's already having that effect. And he's absolutely correct on everything he said there. So there it is. After 10 months, Tommy Tuberville has released his hold on almost all of the military promotions, accomplished absolutely nothing, hurt morale, hurt the military. And probably, unfortunately, his voters won't care. Before we go, don't forget to become a member at LukeBeasleyShow.com slash membership to get the daily bonus show Monday through Friday. You like this? You want more of it? Go get it there. LukeBeasleyShow.com slash membership. Plus, you can follow me on threads at LukeBeasleyOfficial, Instagram at LukeBeasleyOfficialX at LukePBeasley, and sign up for the Beasley Brief, a daily morning newsletter. And that summarizes the previous day's events by going to LukeBeasleyShow.com slash brief. And I'll talk to you all next time.